ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Somebody say, well, I'm from New York, so I'm from Maslin. You know how I hate to lose. I hate to lose. Welcome to a special McKinley Week episode of the Black Swarm Podcast. I'm Rob Antonell here with Hank Pfeiffer, and we are joined with our special guest, Coach Weber. Uh, a big hit from last year, so we had to have him back on this year for the McKinley Week. So uh, how's it going, everybody? Going great, man. McKinley Week. Best week of the year. Well, good. You know, like I said for uh, Stu, I don't know which one's going to air first, but it's like Christmas, birthday, 4th of July, all that stuff rolled up into one. Uh, Rob, you can keep talking, or we're gonna have. I can't edit it when the background <laughs> music's there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm still caught up. Just caught up. It's McKinley it's, week. Yeah, just, just thinking about the whole thing and everything that comes with it. So fair enough. You know, I'm excited. All right. So um, I guess let's uh, we'll get into it since Rob, you obviously have nothing to uh, go from here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I guess let, let's Coach Weber. You know, what's this week mean to you? What's what do you think it means to this town? All that stuff. Uh, I mean, this week is you – know, what I tell people sometimes is this week in the game itself, there is nothing in your life that's going to equal this except for maybe if you include being getting married, if you include having a child. The things you remember your life are events like that, but you're going to remember this event at the same level, in some cases more. I mean, it really depends because, you know, when you have a child, a special day, so on and so forth, you remember that day, um, and marriage the same way, but – Life kind of continues on after that, but you kind of relive this moment more than you relive those moments. So it's just one of those things that <clears throat> it's such a hugely important thing. <clears throat> sorry, um, that you you know I, t- I admonish the kids that this week you do not want to lose this game because this game lives with you your entire life. If you lose it, you're going to remember that your entire life, and you're going to regret losing it. If you win it. You're going to be so proud, so happy you won the game. It's just it's something you live with your entire life. Yeah. Um, I remember last year we asked you about it, how you write a letter to the kids every pregame. Right. And you said, you know, every year it kind of, or at least the last two years when you've been doing it, it had, like, different themes. Correct. Overall. Um, can you kind of, like, one, just refresh our audience on what, you know, what you're writing about, and two, kind of tell us about, like, what the theme of this year's been. Uh, this is something I started when I was first got back here in uh, 2007 when Tom Statham brought me back. And I had, among others, a linebackers like Spencer Lena, who was one of my position players. And the thing I kind of felt back then, uh, which I still kind of feel, but it kind of goes in different waves, 
is kids really didn't understand they were playing here. They were playing for Maslin, but they didn't understand what that word meant for the most part. So those letters started out kind of that way, kind of educating kids on what, you know, where everything came from and why they're doing this or why it's important. And, you know, that carried on. And then when I came back this time, the thing I noticed was the same thing. First year I got back, in preseason at least, going into the first couple weeks of the season, the things I was seeing from the kids who were playing for us were not mass on attitudes, mass on actions. They were playing football, but they had other things going on in their head. I mean, their actions on the field, their actions in practice, honestly pissed me off because it did not represent that uniform. So that first year back, my letters were kind of doing that. Here is why you're playing for Maslin. Here's what Maslin means. And, you know, Trayvon Morgan, so on and so forth, are part of that class, that first class coming back. But they were juniors. I don't know if it's through me, through what I said to them, or just the growth of the team. But by the next year and offseason, going into the next season, they, I could see they were doing things the way you should do it when you wear that uniform, period. So there was not a necessity last year for me to really go into that. There was I, I would pick a word every week, like heart or a uh, uh, couple others. Um, trying to think what the first one was. Oh, potential. And I would just base it on that word and use that word for something in the program, something you know related to Maslin. They didn't need the motivation or the background to understand what it means. This year's bunch of kids, good kids work hard, but I see that same thing that – they are not – they need to push. They need to understand why they're playing for Masson and what wearing a uniform means. And so the letters have kind of been this year based on that, that pulling things from the background, from my background, from just Masson history background, uh, football-wise, and pulling it in and telling about a story about a, a player. Like one I used this year was uh, a player named Scott Kosnick. When I was younger, the Kosnick family had four boys. All the boys played, and Scott was – I think five years older than me. Scott Kosnick in the McKinley game, he was a center. And he wasn't a big kid. He was probably 5'8", 180, something like that. But linemen weren't that big back then. And in the first quarter of the game, he broke his hand. Right, He broke his right hand. He's right-handed. Second quarter of the game, broke his left-handed. So he spent the rest of the game snapping with both hands, just pushing the ball up there to get it up there because he wasn't leaving that field because he was playing the McKinley game. So it's, it's things like that that were formative to me to understand what this program is about. I'm trying to share with these kids that it's not just about playing football. Normal kids at normal programs, when they break their right hand, they're done for the day. They're not going back in. And if they go back in, they break their left hand, they're going to sign off for the day. I've given everything I can give this program, but I, I'm not, uh, no, this is stupid. You don't do that here. So, you know, that's one, that was part of one of the letters this year, trying to relate things that were formative for me that, you know, holy shit, what is going on here? I mean, this is a special, special place. I understand if these guys are giving this, when it's my chance, I better give that and more. Because somebody's coming from, you know, after me that's learning from me, and I want to set the tone for them that this is what it means. It means more than just putting on a uniform at any random school and playing football. You're playing for Maslin. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like a lot of times when we have people on, where I'm like, when they're explaining an answer or something, I'm looking for the next question to go through. And with that, I just kind of got sucked into this. <laughs> yeah, I, I got sucked into the answer, and I, I got goosebumps right now. And frankly, I got nothing. So. I, was, I was ready for the next story. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so Rob, if you got something, I mean, please. Uh. I- 
I mean, I think it's great that you go into, you know, the history of Maslin and what it means to the mm-hmm. kids. Because um, that's not something that I think we really got taught about that much when I played. I mean, you know, we're Maslin guys our whole lives. We know a lot of the stuff. We've read the books. We've heard all the history lessons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not, not everybody does. Right. So I think it's great that we do stuff like that. Um, well, I did it when you were there, but I did it uh, specifically my position. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I just think that's awesome. But, I mean, in general, um, when you have some of these kids that are learning, you know, maybe what have you got the most feedback from? I mean, have there been like individual stories like that that the kids have, like, really grasped onto or, like, just interesting facts or... Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, I get feedback in different ways from different people. Uh, I've been getting feedback this year, like, uh, Mr. Salvino... Uh, is on huddle and he reads them and so does uh, Coach Palmer and people like that and they really like my letter this week but I think the things I kind of throw at them hit different people different ways so I don't get like a group reaction so much I get somebody here somebody there that tells me man that, that was that was really good um, it's it reaches different people different ways so I mean this week's letter kind of dealt with the way we played at Barberton kind of I didn't feel like like last year's, like Barberton really was cheap and dirty and, and crap balls, right? Uh, I mean, if I put the film on for you, the cheap shots that were going during that game were, were just something else. Um, and I thought our kids honestly did not react the way the previous year when we played Louisville and they came marching down the field and tried to intimidate us. That group of kids, one, didn't retaliate, all right, and two, just focused themselves up and just beat the hell out of them, period. And it didn't feel like it. It felt like we were more wrapped up in that game, in the Barberton game, with all the other stuff for a while until we were able to pour it on later on, until they kind of settled down for whatever reason they settled down for um, and were able to pour it on Barberton, but it didn't feel the same. So that's kind of the, you know, what I'm talking about with this group of kids, sometimes the, the I guess the masculine maturity isn't there to understand, put that crap aside because you're wearing that uniform and you're going to get cheap shotted by everybody. So you better focus up and do what you need to do because you're going to get that. So you got to mature right now because we have a long haul ahead of us, all right? So the other thing I talked about in this week's letter is because it was the seniors' last game at home. It was the last home game of the year in general, except for the playoff game, but there's a difference. And one of the things I told them is when you go out on a, on a game, like Mas- game night in Maslin, it's a special event. Fireworks, kids on the field, all the stuff you get. Well, the state takes that away. So we play a playoff game round one, which we're going to have a round one play- home playoff game. You're not going to have all the crap out there. They, the state doesn't let us. They let everybody else do it. The only thing I mentioned in the letter. If you go to other people hosting a first-round game, they still bring their hoops out there and all that crap. They just stick it to Maslin, which, you know, that's what the state does. But the thing I told them, and I couldn't see, I was on the field, I couldn't see if anybody did it, was one of the impressive things about going out of that tunnel is the number of little kids who line up out there. And those little kids were me one day when I was a little kid long ago. That those guys were all freaking bigger than life. They were who I wanted to be. And if one of those players touched me, looked at me, acknowledged I was there, it was like, you know, the story I told when I was here last about your dad. I mean, it was just those guys were heroes to me. So I told the kids in a letter, you know, this is your last shot this season to be able to do that. If you're a senior, it's your last shot ever. Step out of that tunnel, touch a little kid's hand if he puts his hand out. If he doesn't put his hand out, put your hand out. Look him in the eye because those kids are out there because you are their freaking heroes, period. And you have a responsibility to do that, but it's something you don't want to let go by. Because you're never going to be able to do that again in your life. You know, hopefully your son or daughter look at you that way and you take that, you know, 
uh, mantle of being a father and they look at you as a hero too but beyond that you never get looked at again that way in your life and that kid's coming up it's gonna be his turn to do that someday down the road so you need to get out there and give them that impetus and what they're looking for because that's what they're craving those little kids here come the tigers here comes the smoke here come the tigers you know and they, they need to embrace that. So that's kind of the, the, the two parts of my letter this week so yeah i think my favorite thing about you coach webb mm-hmm. is just walking around you kind of this mild-mannered level-headed you know everything's all easy going and we get you going and you just i'm all jacked up right now yeah uh, i'm you know i'm ready to go out there you know play give all i got right now <laughs> Yeah, I, have of, a, uh, I have a calm switch and I have a stupid switch. There's really no in between. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, you said something there uh, that really caught my attention: masculine maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about you know when we play anybody, we mm-hmm. they come out and they give us their best game. Right. You, you wear masculine, you got to target any back. Right. Can you talk a little more about that? What it what that masculine maturity means? Because no matter what people say, people hate us around the state. People hate us around, you know, we live in Maslin. The communities around us all hate our guts. I hate them, too, so I don't want to give a crap. But the thing with that is, you know, they want to run their mouth about how they hate us and we cheat and whatever. They all want to be us. Every single one of those idiots want to be us. I don't care where you're from. They want to be us. So when they get a shot to play us, you know, like Barbara. Barbara had no shot of beating us. They had zero shot. If we just play our game, they got zero shot. So with the way they decided to beat us, the way they're going to thump their chest the next week of school is by taking cheap shots after the whistle because during the whistle, we're going to kick your rear end. All right, so the target on your chest becomes that. It's everybody wanting to take a pound of flesh from us, walk back to their community with the pound of mass of flesh. We beat them, all right, and that makes, that makes our season. I don't care who it is. Our game is circled on their calendar. We are their season. So they do special things. They play us for homecoming. Who, I mean, your homecoming a game is against somebody you're going to just annihilate because everyone wants to have a good time with the homecoming dance. Well, they play us homecoming because they need extra motivation. And it's A, because we're good. But B, they need any little thing they think they can get to beat us because we're masculine. And that word not only means, you know, should mean something to our kids. That's why I try to, get, try to get it across to them. It means something to the rest of the state. They see that word masculine. All right, they hate it outwardly, but inwardly, they're jealous as hell. They wish they could be us. They want to be us. And the only way they can simulate being us is taking a pound of flesh in some way, whether it be cheap shotting us after the play or beating us. That's how they, that's how they want to do it. So there's always that target from everybody. Yeah, all these teams, you know, you say they want to be us. And, you know, I completely agree, you know, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to be us. Um, what is it that makes Maslin today – somebody that some other team wants to replicate the thing that makes massive what is today is one the thing i try to get across to kids that it massive this didn't show up it's a hundred plus years of everybody working towards the same goal to be good all right whether it be football or what you know and when i was younger we were you know during the summertime this is kind of off subject but it kind of leads to what i want to say Coach Moore had it, had me kind of do a history of Maslin type thing. Where you know his intent might have been football, uh, and I had some of that in there by showing the kids like in a PowerPoint presentation with pictures, and I went to the places where they were and showing where the previous Tiger stadiums were, the previous Tiger fields were. So I drove to all those locations and I took a I took a picture of it, and put it in my PowerPoint to kind of give them a reference point that hey the Tigers played here, Tigers played here. 
Um, but I also kind of showed them a history of Madison. So, like, I, I drove down and talked through the canal course, going through the center of town, um, and a variety of other things. You know, one of the things I did, which was, it may seem stupid, but it's just, I love this town. Just life in this town is, is I grew up on the west side. East side sucks. I grew up on the west side. And Damn right. <laughs> one of the things I did when I was little, we lived on 14th Street when I was little till I was seven. Then we moved to 24th Street and lived there the rest of my life till I obviously moved out. Wampler Park is there. So one of the things when you go to Wampler Park to the pavilion on the, I guess it would be the east side of the tennis courts, uh, there's the woods there. And one of the things I did is me and friends would go down in there and they have, an, they, there's a natural spring that's been there my entire life. So I don't know how long it's been running, but there's two creeks in there. When I was little, one of the things we did was we would go down uh, to the creek and there were crayfish in there. So you would take a you would take a styrofoam cup with you and you'd take the flat rock and lift it over and there's a crayfish and you would catch it and pull off a claw or whatever you wanted to do and put it back and so on. And I actually took my phone and did that. I went down in there. Um, and it's kind of off the subject, but it's kind of going back to the same thing. As I wanted to show them. This has been my home my entire life, and these are things I did. And kids don't do that so much anymore. They're Xboxing it, whatever it might be. There's a lot of great things in this town. All right. And I took them to places, I showed them places like Watsies and so on, like that, that was there when I was a kid. Uh, but that's kind of what makes this the place people want to be because we are, like I said, we live in a capsule. We live in this weird little burg that nobody understands, but we don't give two craps whether anybody understands. We don't we don't care that anybody understands. And, you know, we love that. So everybody has worked for 100-plus years to make this program what it is. But the problem with other communities who want to do that is they don't want to pay the price to be us. They want to be us, but they want somebody just to hand it to them. All right? They, get, they complain about our indoor. They complain about our Crow Hamlet. Screw that. People have paid a price to be able to do that that we are the town that can do that kind of stuff still today. Because you can't really is not my problem. All right, so you could complain about us all you want, but they want to be us because they'd love to have all that stuff. They just pretend they don't want to have that stuff. Uh, we don't need an indoor. You know, you, maybe you don't need an indoor, but it's pretty nice having one. <laughs> so, you know, that's what it is. I think the target is they just get, they get sick of all the stuff we do, our success, what we have, but they don't want to pay the price as a community or a program to be us. They just want to show up and have somebody hand it to them. Yeah, so, well, first off, um, for those of you on the great east side, <laughs> I remember kids going to the resi and also doing that same thing. Um, but when it comes to all the great stuff that Maslin has, um, and people worked for it, how do you relate that to the kids that we have a brand new weight room, we have an indoor, we have the best stadium in the state? You know, how do you how do you give that to them? The biggest thing that I guess the biggest theme that I try and point out to them, uh, and I've done it a couple times this year, but I did it two years ago with that group of kids, is talking about kind of who our clientele is, who sits on the on section four, five, and six, halfway up under the roof. And the thing I tell them, they're all 60, 70, 80 year old people who still get in their car on Friday night and get to the stadium. And we do our Tiger walk at, at around 440, 445. The handicapped spots up in front of the stadium are full at 445 because those people who are handicapped that need a short walk because they're older, their asses are still in that handicapped spot because they're going to that game. And I think it was, I don't know if it was week one or week two. Um, 
we were walking up the hill towards the walk down to the stadium and there sits across the way from the stadium a lady in a wheelchair she was an older lady in a wheelchair who in their right mind who's in a wheelchair is going to go to a high school game on friday night well it's that lady and why is it that lady going to a game on friday night because the tigers are playing and that's what people in this town do and the thing that kind of frustrates me but i understand it. i understand the economics of it the young people a lot of times leave this town because there aren't jobs around here all right, or they're, the jobs are too far to drive, so they kind of live where they need to live. But those people stayed. They stayed. They raised their families. Their families, rather than retire to Florida, they stayed here. And most of those people stay here for the same reason that I'm talking about, because they're not going to give up going to Friday nights to watch Tigers play. And I told this story last year, but one of my letters two years ago was about a situation where I was coming out of the press box. And as I'm coming down, I'm, I'm slowed down by this older gentleman and his wife and they've had railings there and he's making his way down the steps and he's going railing to railing so he is leaning holding onto the railing walking down and he gets to the break in the railing and his wife grabs his shirt so he can lean forward and grab the next railing to keep going down the steps and i slowed down i kind of took that job over for and i was talking to him he was 85 years old and he probably should not be at a tiger game if he has to go up and down the steps that way from a safety standpoint whatever but he doesn't give a crap because the tigers are playing and that's the thing I try to get across to them is it's not about them. It's about those guys sitting behind them who are taking the time, taking their money, and they're coming to watch you. And not just because they want entertainment on a Friday. They're coming. They want the Tigers to freaking win, and they're willing you to win. They're sitting in those stands willing you to win that game. And that says a lot because I've been other places, uh, New Philadelphia and Norton. You know, the people rotate. If their kids are in the band or playing football, they're at the game. Once their kids are not in the band or playing football, they're back home. They're watching something else on Friday night. So that's one thing to try to get to across them. It's not about them. It's about the town. It's about the people who give a crap about them. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't really – I'm trying to find words right now because, again, still still jacked up, still ready to go, ready to run through a brick wall. Um, working at like the – working at the rec center, you know, there's – you see a lot of older people coming mm-hmm. in. And I, I had this this couple in my mind as you were telling that story. This one older guy, he comes in every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. He walks in, just you know, you could, he's like 87, 88 years old. He's got Parkinson's or whatever it is. That, you know, he's shaking like mm-hmm. he, he can he can walk on his own, but it's you know you're kind of worried about him all the time. And yeah. it's every time, every day he walks in, you know, it's like, how's the Tigers gonna do this week? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, and I ask him, "You going to the game?" And he's like, "You know, I, I might make it." Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. the only the only thing that makes a difference is the weather. It's like you know, hey, you going to Barberton this week? I'm like, oh, you know, weather ain't looking great, right? You know, oh, you going to Austin? You going to Fitch? I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to be a little cold. It doesn't matter. That's it's a ninety minute drive to Austin town. It's it might be a little too cold for him. That's it. And mm-hmm. when you're, you know damn near 90 years old that that's a valid excuse yep um i I really don't have a follow-up to what you said just kind of uh comment on it but it's that's just the kind of town that we live in um i guess kind of pivoting slightly about what you said earlier about maslin has this target on their back and all that Mm -hmm. i asked Stu this and i'm gonna ask you this we've uh 
you hear a lot of people say, especially this year, that we've had a soft schedule, you mm-hmm. know, and it, really at the beginning of the year, it didn't look that bad. It just, that's how the season played out. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say to those people that say, oh, you know, Mass not playing play anybody, blah, blah, blah. Now, first off, in the soft schedule, we have the, the number one uh, accumulated computer points in our region, and I think... I think after this last week, we might be one or two in the state for cumulative computer points. We don't get that playing a soft schedule. You're not playing 0-6 teams. You're playing 6-1 and teams, 7-1 and teams. So just by the numbers, that's horse crap. All right? Uh, second thing is the schedule's a schedule. They say the same thing to Alabama. Why don't you up your schedule? Because we win, we play a week schedule. Is that is that the point you're making because we win? Because that's horse crap. I mean, I don't know what they think a tough schedule is. I mean, who – Teams who – places or people who want us to add a tough schedule or have a tough schedule want us to play in successive weeks Ignatius and Eds and Steubenville and so on and so forth while they play freaking North Canton. It doesn't work that way because the bottom line is about getting the playoffs. And we may have the schedule. We, we call people up. Do you want to play? It's the same thing Nick Saban said when they were complaining about his schedule. You know, Saban said, hey, we call people up. The people who p- want to play us, play us. What do you want us to do? He wants to hold them hostage. You want to take a gun and, and put it to their head and say, sign this contract. We play who we call up and they want to play. So, you know, I think our schedule has been pretty good this year. I mean, if you look at the records of our teams, that's the reason why we have the number one, you know, accumulated computer points in our region. And like I said, one or two in the state. You know, the same way last year. We were right there. I mean, with either the highest or second highest in the state computer points. So, I don't know what measurement they have for a tough schedule or a not tough schedule. But I, I think, you know, the system we have with the computer points shows who's playing a tough schedule. I mean, Hoover's sitting there like at ninth or 10th in the region who still have a shot at 5-4 and four to make the playoffs. Are they playing a tough schedule? I don't know. I think the right, I mean, because if you look at our region, like top three, two or three teams, it falls off a bit. Great. So the point totals, like, I don't know what Hoover has. Hoover has like 11. We've got like 32 or something like that. So. Yeah, so the same people that are talking about the schedule, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, outside of Maslin and even inside of Maslin, I've heard some people say the same thing, that mm-hmm. you know they're worried that when playoff comes, we haven't played any tough teams, um, which I also disagree with. But when it comes to the Maslin standard, mm-hmm. just because we're winning, we're doing good, I think a lot of teams are assuming that we're not playing good teams. Yeah. Um, how is it that you know our own fans and, out- and people outside of the city just hold us to a different standard? Because of who we are, honestly, because we're Maslin, because, uh, you know, we have been so, so successful. I think the people outside the city like to say that because they can't stand we win. So we only win because we're playing a, a crappy schedule. And that's bull crap. People inside our town, I think when you're playing like a Penn Trafford or Gateway, people have no idea who they are. You don't know who their opponents are. But those are two good football teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of people on our schedule or in Ohio who are playing a team with a running back who has offers as a junior from Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Nebraska. We held them 25 yards. So don't tell, don't tell me off you know top of your head we're playing nobody because you don't know who they are. That's you know not my problem, our problem. They're good football teams we're playing. So I think, like I said, outside the city they hate us. So anything they can anything they can take a dig ass with they do. Uh, but, you know, I think we're held to a standard that we are because we win. So that's basically what I think. Yeah, so going back around to the Masson standard, um, kind of just as a peek behind the curtain, we're recording both this interview and Stu's interview on mm-hmm. Saturday. And going into this, I didn't really know which one I wanted to air first or second. 
and just the way you got me jacked so early in the interview, <laughs> it it's you're going second to really get everybody pumped for it. So right. Stu's will have come out first. Um, and what he talked about earlier was, you know, the standard is kind of number one, beat McKinley, mm-hmm. and number two, win states. Yeah. That's the only goals we have, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of – that's now the Maslin standard. Right. Um, So – and you've been around the program for a long time. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about, like, what it was at then and where it's at now that our standard can be win states and how if we don't win week 15, like, it's a bad season? As if, like, even – you know, I remember back when we played when it was – you make a couple games past week 10, mm-hmm. that was a good season. Yeah. And now it's like you have to win week 15. Right. Can you talk about how that standard has kind of shifted to where it is now? I don't know the standard has shifted. When I played there, when we did a breakdown at the end of whatever, and end of practice, whatever it was, our breakdown was state champs. That was our breakdown. Um, I think the standard was set because, you know, when you're talking 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s, the state championships rolled in. So the expectation, because the people in this town didn't change. The people in this town are used to that. They want that. We haven't been able to do that. But that's our goal. And I don't know if standard has changed. I think, you know, maybe it might have been when you played, Hank, that that, that wasn't stressed because of the makeup of the coaching staff, maybe. I don't know. It's not knocking any coaches. just that's one of the things I talked about when I write the letters. I came back, write the letters. I came back here, and I did not see – people having, I guess, a depth of knowledge or a depth of what the expectation is, which is winning a state championship in this town. So, you know, getting a game or two in the playoffs has never in my life been an okay standard for me. Uh, You know, I think our standard always is those two things. You beat McKinley, you win a state championship, or you've wasted your time, basically. I I told the kids, I think, that last year, it might have been McKinley week, that I told them, you know, you're going to have a lot of great memories from, from the season. If you go 14-1, you have great memories. But ultimately, you didn't complete your goal. Your goal is to win a state championship. So feel good about your individual accomplishments. Feel good you went 14-1, but ultimately, you just you didn't win a state championship. So it was all for naught. Your memories are great, but we didn't meet our goal. So I don't know for me. I don't know the standard has changed. Uh, like I said, that was the standard when I played there. And you know we played in a state championship and got beat by Moeller my junior year. Uh, but we did. That's how we, we broke uh, team sessions or whatever with state champs. Massillon Tigers, number one state champs. So that's how we broke us. I don't know if that standard's changed. Um, and I think maybe the thing that needs to happen needs to be the standard for 100% of the people. So it's what it needs to be. Yeah, I remember, I mean, when I played my senior year, the breakdown was 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was... But that was only my senior year. Right. You know, I think it was the year or two before that, my junior and sophomore year, it wasn't that. And yeah. I think it was because they thought we had a good team coming up through. You know, right. we ended up, we go, we went 11-2. It, yeah. Up to that time, had a, a historic mass and offense. Right. And that was just one of those things that we just happened to fall short that year. Um, well, but, I think that goes to what we talked about before the broadcast. We talked about the fact that this season's gone like a blur. All right, we're in week nine going into week 10, but it doesn't feel like it's been that long. That's a long time. I mean, the first quarter of school is over. We're in the second quarter of school, and so that's flown by. But I think we've got an attitude and expectations from what we've been the past couple of years that we're playing 15 weeks. 
So it's not like a lot of teams, a lot of programs count week by week, and they're hoping right now they're going to be in the playoffs. I think the expectation for us is we're not only going to be in the playoffs, we're going to make a run in the playoffs and probably get the state championship you know, in our mindset. So those first nine weeks have been a blur because we know we're playing six more weeks. I mean, that's kind of our mindset. So, Yeah, while we're talking about you know how fast the season has gone, um, one comment from earlier in the season that still kind of sticks in my head I believe is when we played Penn Trafford, is a media person from the Pittsburgh area said that this isn't your Paul Brown's Maslin. Right. It's not the same Maslin that it used to be. Why is it that, you know, somebody might say that, or why do people so quickly forget the great success that Maslin's had, you know, in the last decade? Because uh, they're hopeful. I think Penn Trafford coming. I think that re- reporter, I'm not sure if he was a reporter or what it was, but I know he was on some message board or something like that. Maybe he was. But he's hopeful. I mean, it. that's his mind, getting his mindset in that Penn Trafford's got a shot. No, they don't have a shot. They're coming into town. So you saying this isn't Paul Brown's mask and isn't doing crap to help them out. All right, it's going to go on the bulletin board for us, and it did. All right, but when people say that, like, you know, the article uh, by Joe Scalzo, both last year and he made a comment, I think it's preseason this year, you know, ripping the Tigers about, you know, uh, it was it was a slight at, you know, Perry under Keith Wakefield. Their offense is awesome. Keith Wakefield is awesome, but he runs this old school offense and he made a comment that that's maybe why this school to the West gets players from Perry. A, your reporter, shut the hell up. What are you, what are you even doing? Why would you put that in a newspaper article about it? B, you know, do you want to know if Joe Scalzo is jealous of Maslin? Well, all you got to do is read the crappy rights. So it kind of goes with that. Media, you know, I think when they do that, they're hopeful. We don't care. I mean, people around us, you know, I, I know what the article was last year. It was a 101-point game. And Joe Scalzo wrote that scathing article about, you know, we should have taken a knee and all that crap. Maybe in Joe's life, maybe Joe takes a knee instead of succeeding and finishing the job. I don't know. But, you know. In my mindset, if we could have scored 102, I would have scored 102 because we both play the game. You know, uh, they came here to play the game to sign a contract. We didn't do anything special. I mean, hell, we held the ball for seven plays in the second half. So Joe Scalzo takes it upon himself to decide we're evil. You know, and there were people in town who were wringing their hands, and I really didn't care because the people outside town don't give two craps about us. So reporters, when they, when they say stuff like that for Penn Trafford, I think part of it is being hopeful that, you know, Masson's been pretty good historically, but we got a shot to go in there and beat him because we have X, Y, and Z playing these positions. We've been really good here in Pennsylvania, so don't worry about it, boys. Get over there and win. I think it's, you know, for their own mindset, but Penn Trafford came in here and got grasses handed to him. So. Yeah, just kind of going back to that, I know we touched on it last year, but as a competitor, you better try and run up the score to 200 yeah. Before you start taking a knee in the third quarter, right? You know, it's just kind of that thing. If you've never really, if you're not a competitive person, if you haven't played the game, I yeah. guess you just don't understand. And right. it's like just trying to scream at a brick wall. Well, and I'm, I'm going to make the contention that Joe Scalzo doesn't know what he's talking about. You know how embarrassing it would have been for for that team from Pennsylvania last year if we would start taking a knee in the third quarter. I mean, what's better? Get 101 points scored on you by basically doing nothing because we had seven offensive plays in the second half. Or being so pathetic that the team we played has taken a knee for a quarter and a half. I mean, which is going to be better when you go home? Yeah. That, you know, you were so pathetic, these guys just, you know, uh, took a knee to rest in the game to make you feel better. Or, you know, 
make you play football because that's what you got a uniform on for. Exactly. You're there to play football, yeah. and that's just that's how it is. Yep. But what I wanted to get to was what you said about, you know, like that's bulletin board material, and you said we put it up on the bulletin board. Yeah. How much do we use that? How much do we feed off of, like, you know, everybody else around us hating us and wanting to come at us? Oh, we do. It's usually a little tidbit in my letters every week, and I know – you know, JP talks for the game, and Stu talks for the game, and um, I'm usually out in the field, so I don't hear them, but I know, you know, I, I can sense what JP and Stu talk about, um, and I know that's brought up, that, you know, people don't give a crap about you, and uh, you better show them who you are. So, you're going to come into Mass, and we're going to show you who you are. So, chirp all you want, cheap shot all you want. When you walk out of here, you're going to be sore. In your opinion, is it possible for Maslin to regain the respect of some of these places um, if if we rattled off five straight state, state championships? Mm-hmm. Would they think that we're good, or would they make an excuse of why we did it? No, you know, they won't. They won't make an excuse why we did it. The excuse currently is because we've been good. I'm watching the last two years when we made our run last year has been, oh, you're not going to win a Division One state championship. You're going to win the, the small division state championship, so it doesn't really count. But – there are places out there who respect us, and we respect the same way. You know who they are? The places like Steubenville and places like that, that we played back when we were Steel Towns. That, you know, going down to Steubenville was the greatest freaking game. I'd love that. I'd love going down to that place because they're just like us. Mm-hmm. And they respect us. The fans would spit on us and still yell at us when we're down there at the game, <laughs> coming out of that side locker room on the home yeah. stands. Yep. But they respect us, and we respect them because we both come from the same place. So there are pockets in the state of Ohio who know who we are and respect us. But, they're, but the rest is kind of modern society. They just tear down what's good because they don't, want to, they don't want to work to achieve what we have. Let's just tear it down. Let's just throw excuses out there why they might be good. It's not because they're really good. Nope, it's not because they're really good. It's because they play Division Two now. I and mean, that's, like I said, that's the latest excuse that drives me nuts. That, you know, you guys aren't going to win the Division One, the real state championship. So Yeah, I think you, you like, look back at last year, you know, we uh... – we tore into St. Ed's the, the Division One state championships mm-hmm. in our in the what was it the last uh, scrimmage of yeah. the season? Yep. And that was uh, you can look at it like oh that was just a scrimmage. No, yeah. it was if you look at the physicality of the game yeah. of who really beat the other team yeah. like physically at the point of attack. Yeah. Maslin did it, mm-hmm. and I think the two best teams in that in the state of Ohio last year played each other in the Division Two state championship. Oh, there's game. no doubt about that. Yeah, but. And, and to another point you made about, you know, Steubenville, you know, mm. they're, they're throwing batteries at us, mm. spitting at us, that kind of stuff. That's that's old school. That's old school. That's fun. You know, it's they yeah. you go there. They hate you. Yeah. And they hate you for who you are. They hate you for who where you come from. They hate you for everything you've ever been. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like you go to Barberton and we talked about it. It's like Steubenville without the river. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Uh, a pussified version of Steubenville. Correct. Not the kids themselves, right. but the fans. You know, right. what they say to you, what they say to the kids, all right. that kind of stuff. Right. And it's just, I, I don't know. It, it makes me feel proud, more proud to be from Maslin, that, yeah. you know, that you are so far in these other teams' heads yeah. that they want to, that they sink that low right. to, to try and get at you. Yeah. Well, one thing I had a kid, a girl, come up to me uh, Friday and say that she works at one of the restaurants in Barberton. And it's kind of a two-pronged story. It's Steubenville, too. But 
She said, I worked Friday. I made a ton of tips, and the whole restaurant was full of massive people. And I said, well, that's what we do. So we go on a road somewhere. We make an event out of it. And it's not like an event and a show. It's just it's massive people who don't have a crap load of money. It's kind of a mini vacation. So we don't just you know go there and roll in at kickoff. Those people are getting off work, and they're getting their cars right away, and they're going to go tailgate, or they're going to a restaurant, pack all the restaurants up, and then pack the stands like we did because that's what we do on Friday night. And the Steubenville thing you talked about, you know, those people do. They throw batteries at us. They hate us. They'll cuss at us, come out of the locker room. But also after the game or before the game, they're sitting in the same restaurants with us, yucking it up because we're the same people. So that's one of the reasons I love I miss that series so bad. I love going to Steubenville so much. It was a hell of a game, and they're just like us. Yeah, I remember when we first brought back that Steubenville series uh, my sophomore year. Hank, I wish you would have got to experience that. Um, but, like, we heard rumblings all week long about how it was going to be a big game, how mm-hmm. important it was, but none of us really took it that serious. Um, I mean, maybe we just didn't get it told in the right way that we mm-hmm. really understood. But when we showed up in downtown Steubenville at, like, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and the entire street is yeah. lined with people, yeah. like it's the McKinley Parade, and they're just throwing stuff at our bus, mm-hmm. that's when we're like, oh, yeah. this this is real. <laughs> Like this actually means something. Um, so like I also, you know, love that kind of that atmosphere. It was so amazing the first time down there. I never saw anything like it outside of Paul Brown. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, seeing teams like that, mentalities like that, you know, I really like that series as well. And you know, I kinda thought Barberton was gonna be on that, but you're right that they were just they weren't up to that level. But uh I mean Seeing people like us and opponents like that, I, I wish that more teams would, you know, be able to step up and yeah. accept it as what it is, rather than, you know, it's their one game a year right. and then they're going to back out of the contract right after. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's what? Do we have a two-year contract with Barberton? I think so. Yeah. And we had a two-year contract with Louisville. Louisville's already backed out. Yep. yep Louisville's already backing out, and I, Coach Moore said it at the uh, Booster Club meeting. It was a contract that you know we thought was going to get renewed. It was mm-hmm. going to be. It was what we thought a series that was going to go on for a while. The two yeah. historic football programs in this in in Star County. Mm-hmm. That it, it's just a shame that we don't have more schools that want to step up and play us, right. and we end up you know sitting there in January with like having to call up Pennsylvania schools, East mm-hmm. St. Louis, all the this that and the other, trying yeah. to fill out our schedule. Right. Yeah, I know. And that's always been the argument for being in a league, but you know, the league that's always proposed for us is not the league for us. That league is yeah, uh, non gratis. I yeah. think it was uh, – we got an email, like the Black Swarm podcast mm-hmm. email. We got it uh, late last season, mm-hmm. and it was like – I think the, uh, the subject just said, screw the Fed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you have my attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it, basically, the sum, the summation of it was, you know, like these guys hate us. They don't want anything to do with us. We're mm-hmm. going to lose a home game or two, it, right? And it, they're lesser teams. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would we want that? Why would right. we want to be in a league, not any league in general, but this league specifically that says that everybody says we should join? Yeah. That it's we're going to play lesser opponents, more. The oh you got a soft schedule crowd yeah. would have the a bigger argument then than they do now about like you know we don't play anybody right and losing home games and what would we have to gain from that right you correct. know 
Yep. So I'm just kind of right now. I'm just kind of talking. You know, <laughs> rudderless, no paddle. I don't have any direction. I I love when we bring in teams from out of state. I do too. Um, I love it because they get to experience this. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for the first time or you know something they don't see very often. And that's when you get a lot of the the media attention from another state. And uh, I think it's just really cool for people to experience this. At the same time, I love the idea of playing Glen Oak. They've been down the last two years. But before that, it was back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so once they build back up here, new coaching staff, all of that, I think that's going to be a really big one. You know, there are teams, Warren Harding, that play us every year, Fitch. um, It's just we've been good the last couple of years. Everybody wants to downplay them. but. You know, you go back more than, you know, two, three years, and these are some really good games. So I think the teams are there, a couple of them. Um, but, you know, I'm just excited for those to continue, and hopefully we can add another one or two. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I would like my dream of dreams just to have a league, but it would be traveling. It would be like a Warren Harding and Austin Town Fitch would be in that kind of league. You know, similar school districts, you know, uh, Fitch is not really a similar school district. They're closer to Jackson, but they're tough kids. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're tough kids that play hard all the time. And Warren Harding, same way. Because uh, Warren's really maintained, of the schools that ran the All-American Conference with us, most of them, because the steel mills closed, you know, I, I think I talked last year, we're, we're a unique place. And our population has not changed from 32,000 from when steel mills were at their heyday to now. Now our population has aged, but people don't leave for the reasons I talked about last year because of Friday nights. But Warren has fought through a lot of hard things to maintain a solid program because their steel mills all shut down, and economically they really haven't recovered from that at all if you go up there. Um, But they've maintained their toughness. They get kids out. They're a good football team. They're, I think, number six in the region right Mm now. Um, So I'd like to find teams like that that, uh, you know, might take some traveling, but they're good for us, and they're good, tough teams. And, you know, it's like when Shep was here. You know, that's the schools he always looked for. He looked for the old steel towns is who we wanted to play because they were just like us. So, you know, hence you had, you know, I'd love to have Stoneville never do it, and Reno's smart. I get mad at Reno for not scheduling that game every year <laughs> uh, because we ask. We do ask. But Reno's smart, and he's an independent, and he's got to get in the playoffs. Uh, and he doesn't want to take the risk of that loss because if he doesn't get in, he obviously can't win state championship. But they're, they're down there towards state championship every year. So he schedules smartly. So we have schedules for his needs. But I'd like to be in the league that they're in, too. I mean, it's, it's just so much fun playing schools like that. Yeah, you know, it's Steubenville and us, too, honestly. You get stuck bet- between that rock and a hard place of yep. let's schedule a lot of these good games versus yep. let's get in the playoffs. Yep. And it's just where you find yourself sitting. And yep. that's why we're having this discussion right now yep. of why we don't play Menor, Iggy, Eds, uh, Moeller, all these right. guys like back to back to back to back because right. you get this meat grinder of a schedule. Well, the other reason we're not in the league, and I want everybody to remember, is we're not in the league because our football program basically pays for everything. I mean, we need home games. So, you know, last year people complained about our eight home games. Hey, if you can get eight home games, then what, who would not play eight home games if you can get it? But we need that income because the money goes so far in our school district to pay for a lot of things. Um, so being in a league when you're going to get five home games in a year. I mean, McKinley this year until it was this year, last year, until they added somebody last minute, I think it was this year, 
At one point early in the season when somebody dropped, the Florida team dropped. That's what it was. They had four home games in their schedule until they added somebody else. I mean, you're not bringing any money into four home games. So we're, we need a minimum of six every year, seven usual, eight preferred, uh, because, you know, our football program pays for so much. So that's the other thing, too. You can't get in the league. You get in the league, you're going to lose that. Yeah, so talking about, you know, the home games, the away games, traveling to go to some of these games, um, I've been kind of waiting for an end to say this after Hank cut me off quite a while ago. Um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. Uh, so the one thing that I've heard um, when it comes to these away games, we have a lot of buses for fans. Yeah. And, you know, some of the games are, you know, kind of far for mm-hmm. mo- the average person. Um, Barberton wasn't as far. So I heard some comments like calling Maslin entitled that we had buses taking mm-hmm. fans to the games. Um, they're trying to get buses to go to the McKinley game mm-hmm. this week. And you're going to hear a lot of people say it's only eight miles. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they don't have a lot of parking, but it's only eight miles. Or Barberton's only half hour, 40 minutes away. Why do you need a bus? Mm-hmm. And kind of tying back into what you said earlier, the type of fans that we have going to the games mm-hmm. later in the year when it's colder, it's dark out. Um, oh, some of these people don't like to drive at night, or mm-hmm. they need to be dropped off right at the gate. Right, that kind correct. of stuff. Um, you know, what would you say just to people that don't really understand the whole thing of you know why we do the things that we do? I would tell them they're never going to say. I don't really worry about what anybody else thinks about us. Uh, because they don't get us. And, you know, one thing I said to the kids today about, you know, enjoying McKinley Week is everybody, you know, nobody else does this and everybody thinks we're crackpots. I don't really care because nobody else gets to do this. So the fans who go to the away games are the best in the world. One of the, big, one of the best things about it is we get there roughly at, at 5 till 5, which is two hours from away games. It's two hours away from kickoff, two hours, five minutes. And people have been already out deep because they're lined up already outside the gate because it, it cracks me up. It's a good crack me up. But they're standing waiting for whenever they open those damn gates up because they're getting their 50-yard line seat. <laughs> and, I mean, it, it just – so they're in their seat at 6 o'clock for a 7 o'clock kickoff or 6 o'clock for 7 – whenever they open the gates, they're rushing to the 50-yard line. And, um, you know, the bus may be the best way to do that. You don't have to worry about where they're going to park at because not everybody has facilities like us where you can park pretty much on site. You're going to have to park a block away or whatever. And if you're an older, older couple and you're not going to be able to walk, you don't want to walk. Or if you just don't know the neighborhood, if you're someplace you don't really know the neighborhood, and you don't know where we're going to make you park at, and it's not on on campus, you don't want to do that. The other thing is they want to be with their friends. The best way to do that's on a bus. You get to ride a bus together. They usually know things when they have it. They, they got stuff to drink on the bus. They got food on the bus because going to an away game, like I mentioned earlier, is an event. I mean, when my parents were in school, when we played Altoon every year, they took the train. Everybody in town took the train. Uh, it's just. It's like a mini vacation. I know Barbara is not far away. It's not like a mini vacation. But I related the story earlier about the girl who had huge tips because she uh, had a restaurant full of Maslin people. That I, t- I just told her, yeah, that's just that's what we do. I mean, that's that's how we do things. We're, you know, everybody wants to be there. We're together. The Tigers are playing. They're going to go wherever the Tigers are playing at. And a bus for a lot of people is the best way to get there. So entitled is ridiculous because you know what? They're taking money out of their pocket and they're paying for it. It's just buying a service. That's all they're doing. Somebody offers a service. They're buying a service. They're taking a bus to the game. Here's an option. So if, you know, it's not entitled doing that. It's just it's it's great fans who they wish they had as well. Uh, you know, Barberton did pop. I was kind of surprised. Barberton filled up their stands. But how many times have we gone, like, 
to Fitch or wherever. We have more fans than they have at a home game. It was Fitch's homecoming game we went to, and we outfanned them at a home game. So, okay, I'm entitled. That's great. Our fans are here. Your fans are. I don't, I don't really care. So, Yeah, uh, I think you're, you're talking about the waitress or whatever. It just made me think of just this year, you know, uh, you and I, Rob, when we went to the Warren game. Warren. We got there a little bit late, and we – we parked at that uh, restaurant. I always blank on the name of the restaurant. That, that every mess and but it was the restaurant. Buena, Buena Vista. Buena Vista. Yeah. Yes, yep. we we parked in the restaurant to, to Buena Vista. You know, and we're walking right past it. They got a Masson flag. You know, mm-hmm. hanging out. From oh yeah. It. It's you can see it, it's a parking lot full of vehicles. Mm-hmm. Half of them have the Masson plates. The mm-hmm. other half has some kind of Masson sticker somewhere or another on that. Right. And that's just part of that. You know what you said that Masson entitlement. Right. That yep. kind of thing. Um, Same thing going down to Mansfield the last two years. Yeah, everybody goes to the one little restaurant mm-hmm. bar across. Right, yep. top and, of the hill. Uh, yeah. It's I I don't know. I've always thought it was amazing when you go to these way games and you go to a restaurant, you go to the bar, wherever, and it's just all Maslin people. Yeah. And it's not really planned. I mean, I know a lot of people talked about going to Buena Vista this year, but it's you know it's not planned. It's just. This is how it goes. Yeah. You have an hour, two hours worth of time to kill with other Maslin people for the game. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know. Not that I've been anywhere else, but I feel like you don't get that anywhere else. No. Not no. At all. Nope. No, that's something. It, like you said, it's not planned. It's like, you know, Buena Vista or that place across the street from Mansfield. They're the closest points. It's a good parking spot. But you just show up there, and it's just orange and black everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's something it, – it's something I never really thought of until now, but it's like you like we've talked about. It. It's special. It's yeah. what makes Maslin Maslin. Um, kind of, I guess, circling back around here to why we're here, McKinley Week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's away this year. It's at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, where they say they won't allow tailgating. Right. But you know, Maslin, we're still going to show up. We're still going to have our pregame stuff, mm-hmm. and. As far as Tom Benson goes, you look at like games this year for McKinley playing there, mm. and it's not—it's kind of sparse as far as fans go. Yeah, what's it like when you walk out? Maybe not just McKinley, but you know, away games in general. When you walk out there and you see the home side is a eh, and Maslin is just packed with orange and black. Honestly, I just feel lucky. I mean, I remember thinking that to myself up at Fitch this year is, is we got close to game time, and, you know, I knew it's a homecoming game. I heard him saying that, and we had to be on the field and off the field at a certain time. And I'm watching as the game time approaches. I'm looking behind us, and we got a couple thousand, 3,000 fans there. I'm looking across the way, and it looks like they got 500 people there. So the biggest thing I feel is just fortunate. I just feel lucky I live where I live. All right, and I try to get that across to the kids to understand that too because it is a very fortunate place and program to be in. So that's honestly what I thought to myself. That was my thought when I was at Fitch. Is I just looked over and I thought I felt bad for the Fitch kids, but I felt fortunate as I looked behind me and what our kids get. So that's that's honestly what I feel. I mean, I, I feel that. I feel lucky that I grew up, born in, grew up where I grew up at. Yeah, that's one of those things. Um I'll never forget, you know, I didn't really play, but one of these memories I will carry with me until the day I die is 2012, the second McKinley game mm-hmm. up at the Dick Stadium at mm-hmm. Kent. Yeah. Running out, running through our, you know, tunnel, mm-hmm. through the hoop, and just seeing the home side of Kent State yeah. University Stadium yeah. filled with orange and black. Yeah. That's something I'll carry, it, you know, 
you think it's like, oh, it's just a game. Why, as a fan, oh, it's just you know, it's one of these games. Why would I go there? It's you are impacting someone's. You could be impacting someone's life mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, same idea for me. My sophomore year, we played at Akron back to back weeks for the regional championship and the semifinal. Um, and we had the home side both side both times, I think. And I remember seeing the first level of Maslin fans when you're on the sideline. And then, then there was the second level that was Maslin fans too. But for whatever reason, I remember you couldn't notice them as much. Maybe it was the angle where we were on the sideline until like a big play. And everybody stood up or you could hear yelling and waving from up there. And it, just, it really hits you. That's like, wow, there's twice as many people here as we thought there was and you know you you just see things like that and how big it is for a player um or i remember it would have been a couple years after you um home mckinley game yeah they had the tig ers chant going back and forth which, which isn't anything new but i remember hearing those players specifically mention about how like just in awe they were that they could tell while they're on the yeah. field, the back and forth TIG just encompassed the whole field. And, uh, I mean, I, I think it's just really special how the fans travel for Maslin and how they act at the games and the, how they can affect the game. We always talk about the East St. Louis game, about how they couldn't hear the snap count. They couldn't get the plays in very well right. because the crowd is so loud. Um, I think sometimes the fans forget how impactful they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, hopefully this upcoming week, you know, we can get really loud and we can make an impact. Um, but like Hank said, we're over there at Tom Benson this week. Um, how do you do you notice a big difference for the away games to the home games, uh, especially over there? How do you think that's going to you know affect the game? Is there a big difference between a home McKinley game and an away McKinley game? From a personal standpoint, yeah, there's nothing like playing in our stadium. It's not just it's not just the fact it's our stadium, it's just the way our stadium is built. You know, you're kind of you're not quite as on top of each of the of the players as you are at Steubenville, but you're still right there. And at our place, there's always you know if McKinley doesn't buy their tickets, there's still you know seventeen, eighteen thousand there. And you just the pageantry of it, the way it looks, the way it feels in our place. Uh, you know that stadium's a cool stadium over there, I guess, but it's not a high school stadium at all. Which I also love. It's not their stadium. They rent it. They ask permission to use it. And at last year's McKinley game, they actually had to have somebody tear down a barricade for them to get in. So I used to, every time I would go by on 77, I would go by Fawcett, I would make a puke sound. I mean, literally every (laughs) time of my life. I don't do it anymore because McKinley doesn't have a stadium. Sorry about your luck. But (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. But playing over there two years ago was fine. I mean, um, you know, their stands are really actually kind of far away, especially the visiting stands where our fans are. So, uh, you know, the fans got to be a little louder. And the way it's kind of open air, too, you don't hear quite as – I remember last year uh, playing state championship. I mean, it's kind of a, an aside, but it's kind of the same thing because we had the home side, and it kind of goes back to our fans in the away games. I remember pregame when they opened the gates, just peeking up at the first few coming in and keep looking up and just people streaming into that home side, just feeling – I mean, it, it just – it gave me chills just watching just the fervor of people. But we'll be on the opposing side this year on the on the visiting side, and I, mean, I, I don't like the setup of it, but it really didn't impact the game in any way two years ago. I think the fans were just as, as, as loud. I was disappointed in McKinley's side because, you know, I like to honor the rivalry, but 
I really get upset sometimes when I see the film of McKinley this year and nobody's at their games. We played there two years ago and they had nobody on their home side and they can't sell their tickets to the McKinley game anymore. I mean, we need McKinley to be good. We need McKinley to be a program. So that kind of upsets me sometimes. That kind of, you know, when we play over there, you kind of get the feel of that. Because like I said, our place, you don't get the feel of that. If they don't sell their tickets, the tickets get sold. So our stadium is full. But you get a stadium that's kind of that big, and you really get a kind of a, a vacant feeling that it's not as important to one side of the rivalry. It's important to the kids. It's important to coaches and kids to play. They're still as important. It's going to be a hell of a game. But uh, it's just not as important to the fans. That kind of playing over there, that kind of sucks. You don't have the same feel as you have playing it at home. Yeah, like I said, you know, the way it impacted it up at Kent, the way it impacted me of seeing the home field filled with orange and black mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite of how it can impact a McKinley kid yeah. of, you know, running out and right. seeing just an empty field. Right. Um, that's just, I don't know, I guess we've never really talked to McKinley kids, but, uh, right. or McKinley fans, but I guess, you know, hey, Canton. Get out to the game on Saturday. Yeah, right. Let's roll. Yep. Um, yeah, Rob, unless you have something to say, I have a, kind of a follow-up. No. All right. So, um, off the record, when I say off the record, we're still going to post Correct. it. Correct. But I'm going to call it off the record. Yeah. Um, is there something in the back of your mind where you might feel bad about how the situation's going over there in Canton between the different parties involved and how it's affecting the team and the players? Yeah. I mean, it. Like I guess – off the record, but on the record, it, I guess the biggest thing that bothers me about it is growing up, knowing the fervor of the rivalry, and knowing how much both sides cared. And I think the kids still care, but the thing that bothers me the most about all the factions, everything that's happened over there, is just a lack of support for those kids. Because those kids still work their rear ends off. It's still a great football team, great football program that we're going to beat the hell out of. But anyway, it's still, you know, <laughs> it's still McKinley, and we need McKinley to be good. All right, so that does that. That bothers me a lot when I see that. Uh, I, we can't have them go the wayside of a Niles or, or something like that. That you know. Um, so hopefully they keep getting coaches in there that kind of still bring the kids in because I thought Reardon did a great job of having numbers, getting numbers up, and keeping those or a bunch of kids cohesive. And so far, Watley's doing a good job with that. Same thing. Uh, you know, I don't want them to be good. I want to beat the hell out of them, but I want them as a program to stay McKinley. Yeah, I guess I'll just ask my follow-up question to what I had, since, Rob, you don't have much from the looks of it. Um, <laughs> I just asked. <laughs> um, it, do you see much of a difference feel-wise from, you know, Fawcett to Tom Benson Stadium? Besides, I mean, obviously you got the improved field and locker room quality, but is there any other kind of tangible difference that you see in there? Biggest thing, I, I can't stand Tom Benson. All right, just from an aesthetic standpoint, like I said earlier. But I loved, I absolutely loved going to Fawcett, both as a player and then as a coach, when they had their locker rooms in the end and every other opposing team got to be in the new locker room, except they put us in the old locker room. Well, that's the locker room I played in. I love that locker room. So if they thought over the years they were screwing us over by sticking us in that locker room, I love being in a locker room because that's our locker room. That's the Tigers' locker room. Because when they switch to the end zone locker room, given all the opponents, well, that's the opposing team. That's Maslin's locker room. So you want to put us in there and all the team that goes in there, fine. Put us in there because I love it. That's where I beat your ass. That's where this team's going to beat your ass. I love coming down from underneath the field, going up. I mean, I just I loved everything about that locker room because 
I won there. So if you think you're screwing us over, you know, make a game because it was it was freaking awesome. I mean, Rob, you got anything following up with or I also went into that locker room. Yep. So did I. I, I did play there. <laughs> I don't I didn't know that that was just for us though, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah. I just I always thought that was, that was the opposing team's yeah. locker room. I no, because remember the two thousand five state championship where we came we didn't come out of the locker room, we came out of the the opposing I locker room being was, there, yeah. but some of the details in the East End. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I was a kid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, but. I was physically there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we asked Stu this, and even though you know Stu's a pregame speech guy, mm-hmm. but you write the letters, mm-hmm. and you're obviously like good, just kind of off the cuff, getting people hyped up. At least us, at least. Um, what can you give the audience? you know, kind of a pregame for McKinley speech-wise, like to get them hyped up for the game? Well, it's the biggest week of the year is Christmas. And the thing, I said it kind of earlier on, I don't know if I said it pre-broadcast or not, but you have one shot at this game. Each game is not, each game is a microcosm. It's, It's of itself. So if you're a junior, I don't give a crap because this is the only game being played this year. If you're a senior, it's your last game. But that really doesn't matter. I've never been a guy who cares whether you're a senior, junior, or sophomore at Maslin. You're playing for the Tigers. So there's no no playing for the seniors, in my opinion. You just don't you don't you play for that jersey, it's who you're playing for. So the thing I try to always stress is have the fear inside of you of losing this game. Because if you lose this game, you will never get it back. And every time that year that week rolls around, every single year, you're gonna remember you lost this freaking game and you can never get it back. So don't you even think about losing. You have better sell out every second of every day at practice and when you get on that field because losing the game is something you cannot do. Winning the game, I'll, I'll talk less about winning the game to the kids because losing it will never leave your memory. Living it, I, I, winning it every in my junior, senior year because we didn't play sophomores back then except for Spillman, Spillman dress varsity. <laughs> but juniors and seniors were all you had. So you got two shots in that game and we won both. So I'm proud of that. But it's not like when, when McKinley Week rolls around, I don't really feel the same way as somebody who lost that game. I guarantee it. Because I won it. The elephant was off my back. I won it. But those people who lost it, who waited their entire life to play on that Saturday and lost that game, never get that game back. So you better be scared to freaking death of losing that game. You don't want to lose that game because you got to live with it until you die. So... That's the thing I'm going to get across to them, across to the fans. You know, the thing I always want of our fans is when you get every week to see them. This is season two. Our kids got one shot at you. You got one shot to roll in that stadium. Tailgate all you want. But then get your ass in the stadium and get after it. Let our kids know you're there because you want to win it too. You want to win as bad as the kids want to win it because you want to go to work on Monday and thump your chest for 365 days. So fans have the same role our kids have. I said it last year too. Uh, like this year, thing you know, I don't know how many of my graduating class listen to this, but my reunion is Saturday, and they're starting at two o'clock. And they kind of invite there at the Eagles from two o'clock till twelve o'clock. If you'd rather just sit here and watch the game, so class eighty-four who are going to the reunion, hey, do what you're going to do, but get your asses to the game. This isn't about your thirty-fifth reunion. It's about the McKinley game. That's why you're having it on that day. So don't sit in the freaking Eagles and drink a beer. Get to the game and cheer on those kids. Then go drink all you want. Stay champion the same way. My class like posts stuff on Facebook. They were meeting at uh, Lobies, 
and I commented on the picture earlier in the day, and I said, that's great. Drink all you want, get your asses in the car, and get over the faucet, or get over to our place, and cheer on the Tigers, because that's what you're here for. You're drinking at Lobies because it's McKinley Saturday. Well, then get to the damn game. All right, the fans got the same responsibility as the kids. They got one day to get it done, one freaking day to get it done. And it's something you don't want to do. You don't want to lose it. Just be scared to death. You do not want to lose that game. Yeah, you kind of um, you brought back. It's it's something you're gonna live with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And you know my uh, my freshman year is when we lost the bell, and we didn't get back to my senior year. Yeah. And after we got that back, everybody stormed the field, mm-hmm. and just that moment is one of the moments I'll live with. It, it was just. I don't have words for it, mm. but I'm going to have that feeling for the rest of my life. Right. And like you said, it's it's one of those feelings that the kids are going to live with. Like, mm. no matter what happens on Saturday, like, you're going to remember that Saturday right. every time this game comes up for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's completely true. I, I mean, I never won a McKinley game in the regular season. And... You don't do it anymore, but you used to do this all the time, Hank, and it made me so mad <laughs> that any time that we'd get into a little scuffle about something, you'd always throw it in, throw that in there that, hey, at least we beat McKinley. Yeah. And that hurt. Yeah. I got to take that with me. I kind of... We kinda, never beat... You know, I take that with me. I forever. Kinda, I kind of learned how much that hurt. It hurts. And I... That's why I backed off. It hurts. Um, And, you know, for you know, for people that might not understand this... Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'm going just to. Just say it. Um, I knew somebody that passed away recently, mm-hmm. and he wrote a letter about his life to be read after that. After he passed away, and in the letter it talked about, you know, he grew up in Maslin and what he did his entire life, how many kids he had, how many cousins, how many grandchildren he had, how many great grandchildren had, um, his time during World War II. Everything about World War II, yeah. but he also made sure to include in there, I lived a great life. We beat McKinley all three years. <laughs> right there in the letter. I mean, that's something that you yeah. take with you forever. So, I mean, it does mean something. I it mean, does. I'm never going to forget losing to McKinley on the last minute of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. I got to take that with me forever. Yep. So, um, you know, if you're going to be playing this game on Saturday... Or if you're going to be playing this game four years from now, you know, you give it all you got because you never get to go back. Yeah, it's like you said, it's something you got to live with no matter what you do. That's something you're going to look back on. Mm. And it it comes around every year. If, you know, you got something you regret, you can't forget about it. Exactly. It happens every year and it'll remind you. And it's one of, you know, and even if you try it, do your best. You walk into that school, and what's the first thing you see? Yep. Is that bell sitting right there with the score on it? Yep. And I don't know. It's like we said. It it's just it's a life, not defining, but a lot. It, it's something you. I don't know, I'm losing the words here. Yeah, it's something. It's, a moment. It, it's something. Yeah. In this town, that you know, most towns they lose their rivalry game. Jackson North Canton's this week. You think those kids give a crap <laughs> one month from now if you lost that game? But in the culture we live in in town, the way you're raised, that game means something your entire life. So it is a seminal event in your life. It may seem stupid to outside people, but we don't really care. 
All right, it's a seminal event in your life that you get to do one time, basically. All right, every game is a one-time deal. It doesn't matter what you did in your junior year. If you lose your senior year, you're never going to go back and heart, yeah, we beat him our junior because you lost your senior year. So each game is unto itself. So you need to realize that, and the, our kids are going to be ready, but they better be scared to death. They don't want to lose that game. Yeah, I'm just going to end it on, you know, calling back to that scene and go Tigers. Yep. When Ellery Moore's talking, like, yep. y'all going to beat McKinley this year? You know, y'all, did you beat McKinley? Y'all going to beat him this year? Yep. It's That's what it means to everybody, this town and everywhere else. Yep. Um, Rob, you got anything else? No. All right. All right. I guess uh, we got to ask uh, Coach Weber. Last question we have to uh, ask. We ask everybody on the podcast here. Mm-hmm. A little uh, a little lighter than we've been here for okay. the last few minutes. Is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? No. Why? Because a ravioli is pasta filled with meat. A Pop-Tart is pastry filled with sugary stuff. We've gotten that a lot. Yeah, that has been the general answer. That might be it. Can't say I disagree. (laughs) But you said it's filled with meat. What about it? Well, cheese. Could be cheese. Okay, so cheese raviolis. Listen, I'm a chef chef by already meat ravioli guy. I'm not messing with our raviolis. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, very not bad. So pasta. So if I made a pasta versus pastry, that's the yeah. So if I made a pop tart out of pasta dough. No, negative Ghost Rider. No. Still not it. It's still not a it's still not a ravioli? No. No, you mean it's not a... I don't know. Is it a Pop-Tart? Is it a Pop-Tart or is it a ravioli? Well, so hey, if, hey, is water wet? I mean, that, <laughs> is it? I don't think that quite fits no, water here. water is not it? wet. It's not. <laughs> so, if I made, so if I took like pasta dough and had like the Pop-Tart filling and, and then put the icing on it, is it a Pop-Tart or is it a Sim- ravioli? Simple answer. When you buy a box of, pop, box of Pop-Tarts, what's in it? Is there a ravioli in it? Is there a reason why they call ravioli ravioli and Pop-Tart Pop-Tart? Listen, that's just for copyright. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's that's for marketing purposes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like uh, Coach Weber has put his his heels in the ground. (laughs) That's it. Really, more than most guests have had this year, (laughs) which I respect it. I like it. Black and white. There's no in between. There's no gray in the world. All right. Um, Last, last question. Uh Uh-huh. You want to get your players hyped, you know, like for McKinley Week. What's the song you have them listen to? They won't appreciate it, but I, the Tiger, every time I hear it, still gives me chills. Came out my junior year, went to the state championship, and Currents took the entire team to watch Rocky Three. And to this day, every time Coach Moore includes it on the playlist at practice, the hair stand up on my arms. I mean, I, I don't. So the kids wouldn't appreciate it, but it does something for me. So. They might not appreciate it, but I appreciate it more than you know because yeah. I wanted to put it as this song anyway, and I didn't remember that until I just asked you that question. I'm like, please don't say anything but I the Tiger. <laughs> so with that, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Beat McKinley. Beat McKinley. Beat McKinley.